Welcome to The Bear and the Ball. I'm your host, Nick Webster. Delighted to be chatting today to Susanna Melendez, who is a registered dietitian. She's a licensed dietitian for the Detroit Tigers and a nutrition consultant for Athlean Sports Science Football, parentheses, Soccer Academy. She's also uh, involved with all gold sports. Welcome to the show, Susanna. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's honestly an honor to be chatting with you today. Well, thank you so much. I don't think I've ever had a dietitian or someone who's an expert on nutrition on the show. And I want to smack myself around the head for not having done this sooner because it's so important. And as a coach myself, every single day I'm talking to my athletes and saying, make sure you hydrate, make sure you oh, eat right. Love the day it. before the game, let's let's do a carbo load. And they kind of look at me and go, yeah, coach, yeah, yeah coach. <laughs> and, and now I have an expert on the show so I can send all my parents and all my teams and all my players to this show and say, here, this is why <laughs> you should do it. So let's start. That's let's so start great. With a really easy one. Let's start with a really easy one. Okay. <laughs> why do athletes need to eat right prior to games. Oh my goodness. I appreciate how much you push for your players, your parents to hone in on the nutrition details. I'll start with that. So just to give you a little bit of context, um, within the last few years that we've seen football or soccer uh, start to change, right? If you come to the US, you see a lot of distances, a lot of higher intensities and a really interesting point is that in the last World Cup, there were more distances and higher intensities by like 20% versus Russia 2018. So we're seeing a lot more energy being exerted on the field, right? So that energy has to come from somewhere. So what we put into our body, the nutrition that we choose to focus on is going to essentially make or break our game. And at this point, it's one of those kind of coaches are starting to mention it and say, okay, let's make sure we hydrate well, we eat right, we focus on carbs, which is excellent. Those are really good first messages. But then it's like, okay, well, where do I go now? <laughs> what kind of information? So in general, I, I would just say nutrition is going to help you be ready to give everything that you can on the field, which is what makes it so important. So let me do some pushback then because I'm just such an annoying person. I'm going to push back on my very show with my guests who have come. I love it. Putting their time out here. So my, so, my, so my players are going, coach, we're talking about the World Cup. We're talking about the best players in the world. Why can't I have a hamburger at lunchtime and I'm, I've got a game at three? You know, I like the way it tastes. I like the way it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're being really anal about this. So yes. I'm going to throw this to you, Susanna. You know, it's so important that kids do like the food that they eat. Absolutely. So what tactic do we use as coaches and, and nutritionists to say, yes, I know you love your in and out. But <laughs> it might not be the right thing to have two hours before a game. Exactly. So there's a lot of science that goes into it, but mentally the way that we can the way that we can focus on how to approach that situation is 
what you're going to eat is going to fuel and impact what you're doing. Yes, you can probably be that one in a million kids that can have an in and out because there's always one on the team, right? They can have an in and out and then they can go on the field and score like five minutes into the game. And then they attribute it to, oh, well, I can have in and out every game. <laughs> so that may be true for some for some time. And there are still pro athletes that function that way. But as you continue to grow and develop, you're going to start to realize that your opponents are going to be doing things that you're not. So to give you kind of a breakdown on where a younger athlete can situate their mind is an example would be Liverpool. So if you want to make it to a very high end club, if you want to make it to the stage, this is what is going to happen. When you arrive, you're going to have a meeting with your nutritionist or dietitian. They're going to talk to you about the food. They're going to give you the food within their cafeteria. When you travel, that's the food that you will eat when you when you're traveling. So, whether you whether you're ready for it now or you're not, eventually you're going to have to fall in line because your competitor is going to fall in line with that nutrition. So, I think an approach would be there is a time and a place to have that burger. A few hours before the game, before training, isn't going to help you as an athlete to be successful. But maybe on the weekend, we can we can have away from playing, we can have both. Now, obviously, nutrition is important throughout our lives. As an elite athlete, though, when do you, what age do you recommend that you start tailoring your diet to your desire to perform at high levels? Oh, that's a great question. I have parents reach out to me, their kids as young as 12. I mean, people are starting, people are starting early and it's nothing, it's not, you don't have to change your entire lifestyle. Um, I had a family who reached out because they were, they were concerned that there were, they were reading into nutrition and looking at, okay, well, I need to eat, you know, quinoa and all of these grains and all of this. And this family is a Latin American household who's used to beans and rice, you know, so they're kind of, there's a misunderstanding between like the cultural foods that you can still make use of and be successful, you know, versus like what the internet tells you that, that you have to do. So I've seen as young as 12, we don't do a whole lot. We just work on, this is what you should have during halftime. This is what you should, you know, focus on three to four hours before the game. And then once we hit like 15, 16, we can start a little bit more work. We can start to look at, other opportunities um, like creatine for supplementation. I know many feel that that's a little bit early, but there are studies that show that it has protective mechanisms for like concussions, which we start hitting the ball, right? And then as we get into like the high school 17, 18, that's really when I start to push on the, on the nutrition applications. 12 does seem a little young, but then again, we are in a mad <laughs> rush to make yes. athletes our kids the best athletes in the world and yes you know, who cares um <laughs> let them be so kids put me take take me through take me through the 24-hour cycle before a game and post game and give me and 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 the listeners here uh, an idea of what that diet hydration 
uh, program should look like. Okay. So uh, 24 hours, more or less? Yeah. Okay. So we we know that we're trying to um, to prepare to go into battle, essentially. And 24 hours before the game, you want to make sure that you're you're starting to hydrate. So we'll say you're playing at you're playing one game, maybe 6 p.m. So the day before, around 6 p.m., we should stop maybe focusing on foods that aren't going to be helpful towards our game. So that means any fried foods, any snack, like any sweets, anything like that. We should kind of hold off on those for post post game or, or later. So you mentioned the word carb, carb loading. So that still has some truth, some validity to it, right? Because we can only store so much, it's called glycogen. We can only store so much sugar in our body to use for the game. So that's going to be our our main focus. So the easy way I, I recommend my players kind of do this is they set up their plate to hold like half of their plate should be carbohydrates. So something super simple would be like pasta or rice. Um, a quarter of it to be protein, like a lean protein source, like a like a chicken or um, fish uh, or a meat, something like that. And then the last fourth to be some sort of vegetable. OK, so that's kind of how we're we're doing the carb loading. It doesn't mean you need eight plates of spaghetti. <laughs> it just means you need to be more mindful of your carbs and heading into the game. It's kind of like you have a funnel. So you should start out, if you have a 6 p.m., you should start out a little bit heavier on the carbs with the plate I just described. And as you're heading towards the game, that funnel is getting smaller and smaller, right? That window is getting smaller and smaller of how much you want your stomach to be sort of full. Because the worst thing that can happen is you go into the game and you've got that rock, rock in your stomach, you're just you're just so full. So that's kind of an easier and easier way to to describe it. As you're heading into the game, you want to funnel. Now, if you want to get into like UEFA recommended nutrition specifics, three to four hours out, we're going to repeat that heavy carb plate. Um, and then as we transition into the game, pregame, I typically recommend about 30 to 60 grams of, of carb. What that looks like is really like a, a small bag of pretzels and a banana. And then post warm up, we want to have something quick. And this can be something simple like fruit snacks, um, dare I say gummy bears or, or candy, like a very small amount. And you just want a little bit of a sugar kind of rush there. So that's on the food side. And then at halftime, obviously, you repeat the same about 15 ish to 30 grams. And then post game, we we initiate our recovery. That's kind of on the food side. Hydration wise, it really depends. Nutrition is a lot of it really depends because you've got people saying, OK, drink a ton of Gatorade. Some people say, no, Gatorade's bad for you. Drink, drink just water. No, we don't just want water. We want electrolytes. So what we do in the pro world is we actually do hydration testing because everyone sweats. I don't know. Um, I know you have one son. I don't know if you have have more, but if you if you know if you notice, some kids sweat their shirts off. Some kids have like those white stains from the salt. So hydration is a lot more individualized, and that will require, you know, a lot of attention and dedication to to that specific. Um, like knowledge of when to fuel, what to fuel with. Well, so obviously 
it, it, within this this amateur club world and high school and and, and maybe even at the <laughs> collegiate level, you know, we don't have that. We don't have the resources to test kids individually, right? And, and as you just mentioned, hydration is an individual. Uh, it's an individual component. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I hate to say this one size fits all, but what's the one size fits all for <laughs> programs that for don't programs. have resources? Yeah. So there's, um, I'll give you kind of two answers to that. You can start it in a simple way with your hydration. I typically recommend you start with like half of your body weight. Um, So take what you weigh in pounds, divide that by two. That's the minimum ounces that you'll typically need in a day to breathe, survive, um, move around. Um, That's the baseline. That's kind of where you start. And then if you look at your kid and sweating, (laughs) you know that they need more than that. And then if you go a step further and see the sweat stains on their uniform, or if they're just super sweaty, you can, or they cramp quite a bit, um, then you can start to think, okay, well, I feel like maybe they need electrolytes. So you start at a smaller dose electrolyte, like 150 milligrams, which is like a propel, or then you go higher, which is maybe like drinking a Gatorade. And then there's there's like levels also of electrolytes. You don't start with the highest one. You start with the lowest one and, and kind of work your way up to see what, what can help. Talk to me about cramping. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you, you brought that word up because, <laughs> because my, my, my season just started and the uh, it was hilarious. The first game, the kids are dropping like flies. And I'm panicking because I'm like, oh God, what do I do? Left, right. Yeah, they're putting muscles left, right, and center. Talk to, talk to the, the listeners about what cramping is, and take some of the take some of the fear out of it, but also yes. tell us how to avoid it. Yes. Oh my goodness, I love talking about cramping, and they're still actually doing. There's still a lot of research going on about like cramping and and mechanisms to help. So one of the things that is difficult to study with cramping is you can't purposely dehydrate your subjects. So it's it's difficult to to study that. So there's a few reasons why we cramp. There it's not just because you're not drinking enough water. It can be due to many things like the heat, the temperature. Um you can be poor, poorly conditioned. So if if you have a player that took off a month um, and then they start again, obviously they're not at the same conditioning rate that they were. Um, there can be an electrolyte imbalance, which was what we kind of mentioned before. There can be muscle fatigue, obviously dehydration or like altered neuromuscular control. So it can be one of those or it can be all of those put together. And the way I like to test it out is if one of my players is, um, if one of my players cramps, I try to put sodium back in them immediately. If they're still cramping, my, my thought process is, okay, I guess it wasn't that. <laughs> um, so that's, that's just a place to start. Um, and some, some ways that you can also help, I, I forgot to mention with your hydration is looking at the urine color. So obviously, if, if the urine, you've probably heard this before, if the urine color is super dark, that's not what we want. We're looking for like that pale, pale lemonade um, color. But in terms of in terms of cramping, it can be all of those. There's still there's still like the consensus is out. We, we don't know 
which one of those it is. If you watch um, EPL games on TV, you'll kind of pay attention to see what the medics bring in. You'll see a little bottle. It's a little black bottle with a little red lid. Um, that's actually called hot shot. And what's in that is like a specific kind of spicy flavor to it. And it's supposed to like disrupt the cramp. And we'll just put in easy terms, like it's disrupting the neuronal um, kind of response to the cramp. So essentially, it's supposed to stop the cramp. It works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. You've probably seen the same with uh, pickle juice or you've heard the same with pickle juice. It kind of acts in a similar way. So it has an immediate effect? Sometimes it does. It, Like I said, because we don't know what cramps actually originate from. It can be all of those things I mentioned. Sometimes that is what what the cramp reasoning was. So for some players, it, it will work. So cramping, just to get the, 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 the medical... Uh definition out there is is the muscle just locking up yes pretty much it's like the like a muscle kind of like a spasm will 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 say and it it and... can come also from working too hard right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then post cramping event you know kids say to me oh it feels like my legs bruised and and even yes. the next day they're still complaining of pain and discomfort mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's it's that we'll, we'll call it the right word is the contraction right it's the contraction and just that tightening of the of the muscle and it's so involuntary as in your body wasn't ready to receive the cramp ever um that's that's the tough part and then after is going to be more of a, of a stretching slash massage. You know, you have parents on the sideline trying to, trying to work it out. So that those are just some of the approaches that I have seen. Can, can you get permanent damage from a cramp? I don't, I have never seen and myself because I used to cramp a lot when I was in college because I didn't have nutrition help and I, I played soccer. Um, I didn't really see anything, um, nothing permanent as far as I know, but that's not my wheelhouse. So that's a better question for like a fizz or someone. Well, so I wanted to talk to you about your uh, soccer career, obviously at the University of Arizona. Mm-hmm. That's right. And yes, that's right. Um, as, as, as a player, why do you think you weren't given that information about you know how to look after yourself, your, yourself, even at this elite level. Was it was it was it a case of we just didn't know at that particular time? Yeah, I think nutrition is really new, and I'll I'll even mention I went to Mexican national team, and then I went to University of Arizona, and then I trained with Chivas, and not one not in one of those instances did I receive nutrition support. And it I mean it was some time ago, but. But it's just nutrition is so is so new. And I think it's I look at it now, I look back and I think, what if I would have had that help? Because the help I needed was I was getting pushed off the ball in a very physical environment with like UCLA and Stanford. And, you know, my coaches looked at me and said, hey, you need to gain weight. Go do it. (laughs) And so I was on my own. I didn't I didn't really understand how 
how to do that, which is the basis of why I wanted to become a dietitian. I don't want anyone to have to go without the information like I did. So you bring up the topic. I knew it was going to come and it's fair and it's, it's loaded <laughs> and it's explosive. Wait, wait. And, yes. and especially, you know, for, for female players, I think, uh, for, for, I, th- I think it is. It's an issue for for male players, but for I think more for female more players. More for female players, because society and <sighs> yes. norms and thoughts and so when we're talking about female players and and that need to, I, I let I'm, I'm going to say things wrong. Okay, so let me just it's okay. It there. <laughs> that need to bulk up. That mm-hmm. need to gain that that the need to gain weight right. strength right but at the same time at the same time be able to i i don't want to say control but have a comfort level with body image and what you're yes. trying to do as an athlete but then yes. how you want to project yourself outsiders outside of the athletic environment i know <laughs> you're you're a dietitian you're not a psychologist <laughs> but I'm sure there must be there must be some kind of commingling of the two there. Oh my goodness. The societal pressure is what you're mentioning. It, a female athlete is torn between I really want to look like society tells me to look, but I really think that I need to also gain weight to play a little bit better, but is that going to make me slower? But and that is going to be such a case by case. I mean, if you look at the at the women's like the last World Cup, you see all kinds of body shapes, sizes. It's not ever going to be here's a list of what the positions look like. This is what you need to be. This is the weight you need to be at. It's going to be really specific. Um, And there are a lot of I have this issue with even some of my male um, athletes I've been working with a few male athletes through the Algo Sports Academy or Algo Sports, sorry. And um, they're academy players. They're about 16 years old. They're being already weighed, measured, told to lose. They're, they're kept on a scale where it's like, oh, you're in the red. That means you have to lose. And that's not necessarily in my in my mind a healthy way to educate an individual that's so young. So I think there are right and wrong ways to do it. And that's where I would really caution parents and coaches about their verbiage and and who whose verbiage they allow to come into their children's lives um, in terms of the red light, the the yellow light, the green light, the stop eating, the gain some weight. You have to be really cautious about that. So what advice do you give to female players who are really struggling with understanding putting on weight, taking off weight, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and wanting to excel as a player, right? but not wanting to send themselves down a rabbit hole of crazy mentality. You have to stay, when I work with female players and male players, you there are a lot of male players that have the, the same issue. You have to say really attuned. I have to say really attuned to their their verbiage when they say things to me like I'm afraid you just said it. I'm afraid to put on too much weight because I know that I will look X. 
And then I reframe it and say, okay, but how are we feeling on the field right now? Do you feel like training is going better? Do you have more energy? And then for females, the added pressure is also, are you having a period? Because when you stop having a period, that is a that is an issue. And that's something that we need to talk about. And then for males and females, are you in an energy of, uh, or sorry, are you in a state of low energy availability? That's going to expose you um, in terms of injury, illness, right? Time off the field. So it's kind of putting things into perspective for them as a list and say, if we lose weight, what's going to happen? If we gain weight, what's going to happen to you as an individual? What are the possible outcomes? And kind of guiding them towards getting to their destination. And then they can decide, you know what? You're right. I don't think it's a good idea for me to lose five pounds in the next two weeks because I feel like if I do that, I'm not going to be able to last the whole game. And that's not that's not what I want. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Mm-hmm. How do you, and, and, and how do you, so I, I'm, want, I'm <laughs> wanting you to put your... Your feet, your toes, on, on, on a coach's foot. How, do you, how does a coach create an environment where the athletes are comfortable coming up to him or her oh. and describing what you just said uh, about yes. issues that the athlete may be uh, experiencing? Oh, I love this. This is wonderful. Okay, so... A lot of coaches ask me this question, by the way, because they want to know how to help the athlete. The athlete will care more that you care about them versus what you know, always. The athlete wants to know that you care about them. If they know you care about them, they will divulge, share, run through a brick wall for you. If you can build that trust, obviously. But here's the thing. For you to be able to build that trust, we also need to remove that verbiage that we were talking about earlier that kind of puts that flag up for athletes. Our our athletes are really smart. They know when you say things like, um, you probably shouldn't be eating. I've heard this before. You probably shouldn't be eating those carbs or you probably shouldn't be eating that. Like you're judging the athlete based on their preferences. And so the best way to do that, obviously, is going to be for the coaches to speak to maybe a registered dietitian or a very skilled nutritionist um, to kind of get some of that, get some of that verbiage in and then feel comfort within their coaching style so that they know ways to approach a player. One of the faster ways that I have been able to build buy-in through the coach has been the coach. Hey, did everybody eat today? Not what did everyone eat today? Did everyone eat today before before practice? Open-ended, um, things like that. Um, with families that are spending their entire, I mean, monthly income on club soccer, because we know it happens, a good conversation with parents would be, is everyone good? Does everyone need like help with access to food? Um, here are some free events that we're lining up. Not just assuming that there's an issue, but just kind of putting it putting it out there. You know, opening opening the floor, listening to kids when they're speaking with each other is also another one because they'll tell each other 
everything, right? So I think just being more attuned to to those um, small issues, like don't always assume that because a player answered like, no, I didn't eat today. It's because they're irresponsible. It could be because their parents spent their entire paycheck on getting the uniform and paying for the tournament. And there's like little to no money for snacks at home. Susanna Melendez, I could talk to you for hours <laughs> on this subject. Um, how do how do Burn the Ball listeners get in touch with you and find out more about this fascinating topic of diets and how to perform at peak levels? Oh my goodness, of course. So there's there's two ways you can find me on Instagram. I am a Latina sports dietitian. Um, I answer questions. I post things all the time. You can message me with your questions. And then myself and another colleague are actually creating uh, the Sports Nutrition Podcast that will be out very soon. And we're going to talk about, you know, everything we just talked about and more supplements, hydration, um, carb, the amount of carbs you need, you know, what sports drinks are best, which ones are not, things like that, all topics. So... Thank you, Susanna. And for more on The Bear and the Ball on CalSouth, visit calsouth.com. You can always find us on Instagram and Facebook. I'm your host, Nick Webster. I'll see you on the pitch real soon.